Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 97th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams, front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Taking you through Carolina's win last night over Louisville as they earned a 70-63 win over the Cardinals. The game was tied at 60 apiece with roughly three, four minutes left to go in the game. Carolina closed the game on a 10-3 run to secure their 20th win of the season as they improved their record to 20-8 overall. They are now 12-5 in the ACC. Hubert Davis became just the fourth ACC coach in the last 25 years to win 20 games in his first season. And he also now has officially won more games than both Dean Smith and Roy Williams in their first years in Chapel Hill. They won in large part to Brady Manick, led the team with 17 points, made three first-half three-pointers. Armando Baycott recorded his 21st double-double, 12 points, 15 rebounds. Um, and Caleb Love had an up-and-down performance, scored 16 points, was just one of seven from behind the arc, but made the winning play as Carolina needed him to make in the closing minutes. He did turn it over seven times, but interestingly enough, Carolina is now 9-0 and in games where Love has five turnovers or more, so we may have found the secret recipe to success um, when it comes to Caleb Love and his performance, but... I, I would like to also see the record when he has zero turnovers. Yeah. I think that might also be pretty good. Um, you know, I was pretty big on going into the game. Carolina needs to win. That's that's the most important thing. But they've also got to play better. Or I thought they needed to play better than they did last night. And I'm not going to come on here and use their, their legs being tired as an excuse, but you could tell the last set the last eight minutes of that second half, that was a team running on fumes that was just trying to grind out a way to get a win. Well, look, you could say it's an excuse all you want, but look, this team is tired and deservedly so because you've pretty much, you at this point, you basically run a five-man operation with three dudes off the bench that play if they need to. That's it. I, I mean... 
I and and I've said it for the last month. This is something that is going to be so hard to sustain. And this is only going to get worse. Mm. That's the thing that's scary is you still have three more games in the regular season. And, you know, in the ACC tournament, now getting that double bye for this team is huge. If, yep. if they don't get that double bye. It's going to be a short stint in Brooklyn. I You, you would feel like that. And I, I think, you know, as, if they're if they're in the semifinals of the ACC tournament, I feel confident that they can probably get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And, and that's the route that you're looking for. So you're hoping that, hey, we get through the regular season and we have to win one game. And, I, I mean, that's that's the point that you have to be at with this team right now because, yeah, the fatigue factor is setting in. They yeah. lost Dawson Garcia and Anthony Harris, and they just completely cut out their bench. Mm. Um, and, I mean, you look, you could compare it. You know, I, I know some people have tried to compare it to even Duke in the past. I don't even think Duke's been to this point where you are, I mean, the, the last few games, you had bench guys that were playing single-digit minutes as mm. the most minutes off the bench. In this game, 12 from Puff Johnson, but it's just... They, they don't feel confident in anybody off the bench. And Hubert Davis has said it, and I think it may have been from last night. If you don't play defense, you're not going to be out there on the floor. I get that. But, man, this, well, the, you are really stretching these guys thin right now, man. I mean, it, it makes sense, and I'm going to lay out a theory I have later in the show. It makes sense why he's doing this because they they're fighting for their tournament lives. If, if they were securely in the field, I don't envision this mindset. But this team yeah. isn't securely in the field. Now, they were a 10 seed, according to Joe Lenardi last night, but you're one bad loss away from being on the outside looking in. And so I understand you got to play your best players, and that's what he's doing. But there haven't been many teams that make deep runs into the NCAA tournament playing seven guys. Well, at this point, I think that you've just got to come to the conclusion as a fan, as somebody that's probably on that staff, maybe even some of the players, that we can push as hard as we want to. Right now, with the way that we are built, if you get into the NCAA tournament, that's probably an accomplishment for where this team is at right now because... I mean, there's just there is you you wouldn't blame them if they get to the NCAA tournament and they are just dead tired. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard, you know, to see them probably getting out of the first weekend because even if they get, you know, in let's say they get safely into the field, let alone if they got to play in Dayton, but if they get safely into the field, you're going to have a game and then have to turn around and play what will probably be a much deeper team mm-hmm. than you. You would imagine probably a two, a one or a two seed. Um, so, I, I mean, it's just it, – it, it is a daunting task right now, and it's why, you know, right now you should be focused on those final three games of the year and what you do in the ACC tournament. And hopefully, hopefully one of these games you can come out and get a big shooting night to start off against either State or Syracuse because I it's not going to happen against Duke. Yeah, 
and you can pull away a little bit to get some of your other guys run and give some of these dudes a breather. That's what you've got to hope for at this point. Yeah, all five starters played at least 32 minutes. Um, Caleb Love played the entire game, and Armando Baycock played 39 minutes. So you got to credit them for staying out of foul trouble to be on the court that much. But this was 48 hours after getting the most emotional, important win of the season on Saturday at Virginia Tech. Where everybody in that group played over 31 minutes. Yeah. So, um, and so they got five days off between last night's win and Saturday's game at NC State, and they definitely need those five days to recuperate. Let's go ahead and take a look at the box score for Carolina. They shot 49% from the field. They were 26 of 53. They held Louisville to just 45%, 27 of 60. Both teams struggled to shoot the three ball. Carolina, 7 of 25. That's 28%. And then Louisville was 7 of 28, 25%. A big difference in this game came down to free throws. Carolina was 11 of 13 from the foul line. That was 85% as Caleb Love and R.J. Davis combined to go 7 of 7. Louisville, meanwhile, just 2 of 5. So Carolina, that that 9-point differential and made free throws was really the difference in the outcome of the game. They both, both teams turned it over 13 times. Both teams converted those turnovers into 14 points. So there's another evidence of just how even the game was. Carolina did out-rebound Louisville 32 to 30. They had 26 defensive rebounds. Then they grabbed six offensive rebounds to turn those six offensive rebounds into 12 points. So they did a really good job converting on their second chances opportunities whenever they got them. With the limited bench, Carolina's bench got outscored 23 to 2. Another one of those funky stats where your bench gets outscored by 20 plus, but Carolina, of course, wins the game. They got outscored in the paint 34 to 30, but Carolina did outscore Louisville in the fast break 11 to 9. Did out block Louisville three to two, out stole Louisville nine to eight, out assisted Louisville twelve to ten. There were nine ties, eight lead changes. Carolina led for twenty five minutes, and Louisville led for eight minutes. And what was a game that was kind of like the very first game we saw these two teams play earlier this month, uh, where neither team could really gain separation. Now their team had a double digit lead in the ball game. Um, Louisville did use a 16-7 to spurt in the first half to go up. I believe it was eight. And Carolina, of course, would rally, get the game tied back at halftime. But that second half, I think we all thought Carolina was going to pull away. They didn't. And they went to that final media timeout with their season hanging in the balance. And they had to find a way to close out the game. And they did just that. And that's where we get our quote of the game from Hubert Davis. He said in the post game that those last three minutes, I thought we did an excellent job defending on the ball. And it allowed us to be in position to guard off the ball because of, because of our job that we did on the ball. And I thought Carolina's defense was where it needed to be. Going into last night, I thought they defended really hard on Saturday. That needed to carry over into last night's game, and I thought for the most part they did just that. Let's get to our stat of the game really quick here. I went with free throw shooting just because of the disparity. Carolina was 11 of 13 from the foul line, and Louisville was just 2 of 5. And that nine-point differential I really think um, was a, a big difference in the game. Carolina made their free throws down the stretch to ice the game in, the, in those closing minutes. But for a, a team that's playing its starters, the minutes that they're playing them, that means there's added emphasis to play quality defense and not foul. And Carolina 
I think has gotten more bought into that as of late. When it first happened, when you've, you've, you learned you were going to be without Dawson Garcia, that was the big worry. And you struggled early with Armando Baycott and Brady Manick picking up cheap fouls that they can't afford to pick up. They've, they've really cut those out, and I do feel like Carolina – um, it's trended better in the right in the in the right direction here as of late. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, give you some more thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's 70 to 63 gritty win over Louisville. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The bacon ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 older Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details for a list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hey guys, Anthony here. Make sure you head over to the website. Check out Josh's recap of the Louisville game that we were just talking about here. Um, we, he's got some great insight on how Carolina was able to pull out the victory over the Cardinals 70 to 63. He'll also have a preview of Saturday's game against NC State going up. On the football side of things, Mac Brown had a pre-spring press conference today. We'll have the takeaways from that, and we'll also have weekly storylines once again for some of the other off-the-field stuff that you guys should be keeping an eye on. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things. The very first takeaway I have for Carolina is a win is a win is a win. But there's a buy, there's, there, there's a follow-up to that conversation. The most important thing for this team to do right now is to win basketball games. That's what that's what their job is to do. And you look at where they are in terms of making the tournament. They can't they can't make the field by losing games they shouldn't lose. They've got the one bad loss. They can't afford another. And last night had they lost the game, that would have been another bad loss. And that might have been the final blow to their NCAA tournament hopes, barring a win in Cameron next week or winning the ACC tournament, which of course is an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. But I feel like they've got to start trending upward. They got to start 
showing signs of progress when they hand when they have success. And you got a big win on Saturday. And the hope is that you would have built off that win. And I, and I think in some ways they did. But I, they've won 20 games now. They've got 12 ACC wins. And I still don't know who I know who this team is in a positive way. I know what this team is when it doesn't go their way. They're a team that gets blown out. And they're frankly a team that will quit and give in to the moment. But I don't know. I don't know if this team's progressing towards anything. I I want to believe they can grind games out and win them because they did it last night, and they did it against Virginia Tech on Saturday. But even that hasn't been proven to be something that we can count them to do night in night out because they've lost games where they should have been able to grind out a win, like at Notre Dame earlier in the year. So I'm just kind of torn where I want to win. And they need to win, but I think they need to look good in doing it because it's like they, they, they're playing for style points. They need to be somewhat impressive. You're not going to look at last night's win and be overly impressed by anything this team did on the court. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to win with, with style. I, I don't. Or Dontrez Styles. Yeah, well, yeah, he's da- exactly. I mean, maybe if Dontrez Styles was out there, they would win with more style. I don't know. Um, there are some people that believe that. It's just this This is a team that right now we thought it was on the road. I think now it's going to be at home, too. I, I think the, these next two games, you know, even if, if Carolina does win them, I think it's going to be ugly in, in, in both games. Um, now, they, it might be different styles of ugly. Um, there's a good chance that Syracuse could be very ugly defensively for Carolina because that's a team that can score the ball just about as well as anybody in the country. Their problem is they can't defend anybody. So I, I think this is kind of this is what this team's going to be down the stretch. Um, you can tell that it's still a yellow, a relatively youthful team. In that they, you know, are usually going to be not even necessarily playing down to competition. It's just every game they are going to make enough mistakes but make enough good plays where they're going to keep themselves around and have a chance to win it late. Um, and I think, you know, we're, the the ACC, you're, you're starting to see this too. And I brought this up, you know, when talking about the ACC with one of our colleagues. It, it's just, it, it's starting to look a little bit more like the ACC that, we've known for years it's not great but a lot of these teams are competitive they i mean look at some of the games duke's played recently Mm -hmm. they've come down to the wire so everybody is starting to sort of give the rest of the acc their best and i think carolina's facing a little bit of that too um and look you know some of the games that they have coming up especially that game against nc state going to be very similar to the team that you just saw in Louisville in that they're going to be playing for their head coach. Mm-hmm. So that you've got all these other factors that could, you know, make you believe, hey, this team, you know, you're playing for something important, but so are they. Who's got the higher level of desperation? I think we saw a little bit of that last night with Louisville. Yeah. And that's why they played as well as they did and were able to hang around for a while. 
But I think, you know, when it was time for Carolina, you know, to take over and some of their talent to take over, they did. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, if you're Carolina, you're not apologizing for the schedule that you have right now. You're playing the teams that are in front of you. But, yeah, it's you, you would like to win with style points because that may allow you to further your position or at least, you know, in, in some circumstances, like with Joe Lenardi, at least feel more secure about where you're at in the tournament field. But I think right now, you're kind of just heading towards a nail-biting finish because this is what we've seen from this team consistently over this recent stretch. The good news is, recently here, they're winning these grinders. I don't count Pittsburgh as as a grinded-out game. You were down by 21 to that team. Mm -hmm. So that was a game that was a blowout, but unlike the other blowouts that you played this year, you got yourself back into the game. So really, since that Notre Dame game, most of the the games that you would classify as grinders, close games, rock fights, Carolina's found a way to win those. So they're closing well, but you just wonder how many more of these can you keep having before eventually you lose one when you don't need to. Yeah, you know, the one thing that we grew so accustomed to up until the last couple years of the Roy Williams era, was a team that progressively got better. So I and I don't feel like I don't know if this team's progressively gotten better. I think, and, and, and but Davis, it's but it's hard to judge too, though, because like you, well, like we were talking about earlier, yeah, Roy Williams teams got progressively better as the year went along. What was a big reason why they were able to get better as the year went along? There was so much depth that it allowed mm-hmm. guys to grow. This roster doesn't have that that luxury. They didn't even really have it before you lost Anthony Harris and Dawson Garcia. The depth was better, but you were still, what, feeling confident in seven and hoping that Kerwin was going to be your eighth? Now you're hoping that Kerwin's going to be your sixth. So I think that's kind of what stunted them from having that normal growth that we've seen from Carolina teams in the past, and really, not just even Carolina teams, just teams in college basketball in general, the fatigue factor is really hurting them here. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right about that. And, and look, maybe the fact that there hasn't been the the amount of in-season progression that we expected as a first-time head coach and a brand-new coaching staff, and maybe it's going to take some time for Hubert Davis and the staff to, to be able to, you know, make players progress during the regular season. I did think, though, the thing that carried over from Saturday into last night was Carolina's defense, and I thought their energy was there. Um, I mean, did they have some breakdowns? Yes. Look, that's just – That's a part of this defense. That's who they are. Um, That's going to happen. But the thing that I think has gotten a lot better is that when they do happen, it doesn't derail the rest of the – the the game or sequence whatever it is and that was the big problem they had early in the year was if they had back to back defensive breakdowns well then everything was thrown out the window for the next four minutes or eight minutes and then before you know it you're down fifteen or twenty points and I thought they made Louisville earn the majority of the points that they earned they scored sixty three points thirty six in that first half they had that sixteen to seven spurt that really put them in a position to have such a high scoring first half for a team that only scores you know, 68 points per game entering last night, but they held them to 45% shooting. 
25% from behind the three-point line. You had Malik Williams settling for three-pointers. I didn't mind if he was taking those shots. I wasn't going to mind if he was making those shots. Much better on L. Ellis. He was just one of five. Um, and so I thought Carolina's defense was there. And you could see it on the sidelines from Hubert Davis. He was in his guys' rear ends about playing defensively. Um, and that was the thing he said going into halftime when he when he met with the sideline reporter for ESPN was that we we got a guard. And I thought in the second half they really clamped down defensively. And I thought that was the, the turning point. That's part of the grinding out part of this team that we've seen in some of their wins. Virginia Tech, twice, Boston College, and now this game against against Louisville. When they're bought in defensively, they can grind out wins away or at home. Yeah, this was a this was a pretty good night defensively for them because first of all, I thought they started the game going off, you know, or, or showing that they had made adjustments from the first matchup because Louisville wanted to come out and jack up a bunch of threes because mm-hmm. look, in the first game that worked. That was the that was the way that they almost beat Carolina. They hit 15 threes in that game, so. Clearly, Mike Pegues thought, this is the area we can attack this team. Carolina responded. Um, Now, look, I I thought, especially through the middle portion of that first half, right up until about the end, um, they did a good job of driving the lane. And Carolina had trouble slowing that down. We've seen that at times this year, that some of those quicker, uh, more athletic guards, they can drive by these the Carolina guards on the perimeter. So that's still an area that concerns me, but you're right. They did a much better job of stopping the ball in the second half. And again, you, you really didn't let them go off from deep. I mean, Malik Williams hit a, a, a three from way out there that Armando Baycott really didn't have anything he could do. If that's the shot that Malik Williams is wanting to take, you let him take that one all night. So I thought Carolina did a really good job of locking that down throughout the night. Um, and, and again, I, I, I think you know it, it carried over into the second half, too. I, I think this team, having played this team once, did a really good job of adjusting what was the issue the first time that they met. Because in, in a lot, you know, the doubleheaders that Carolina's had this year, um, you know, Georgia Tech, you won the first game, so you were copying a winning game plan. Virginia Tech, you were copying a winning game plan and a game plan that stopped them from beyond the arc, which was their strength. This was different. This was a team, yeah, you beat them, but they played about as well as they possibly could have, especially with the circumstances that they were in in the first game. So you were having to make some adjustments off of this the first time, and I thought Carolina did that and did it pretty well. One thing I thought Carolina didn't do as well as they could have in that second half was play through Armando Baycott. Um, this is a guy who, yeah, recorded his 15th double-double or 21st double-double of the year with 12 points and 15 rebounds. But he had two field goal attempts in the second half. He had eight shot attempts for the entire game and went to the foul line and, and missed both shots. Um, and, and look, sometimes the offense needs to flow through Brady Manick. It, it did early in the game because he was getting the looks from behind the three-point line. And Love and Davis fought through their individual struggles, I thought, and made big-time plays. But I, I still think Carolina is at its best when it when the ball goes inside through him. And he's getting shots or 
in and around the rim. I think the hand has healed a lot more to where he's more comfortable finishing through contact and, and around the basket. And I thought that was the reason why the game was as as close as it was late because Louisville didn't have a guy that could guard him. Malik Williams can't guard him fat pound for pound or match up with him height wise. And and I thought that was something that you know you look back at the film, you look back at the tape. And, you know, maybe he's got to get positioning quicker. He's got to run the floor harder, whatever it is. That ball goes inside. I just feel like the game gets a lot easier for everybody else on the team. And it's just eight eight shot attempts for him in 39 minutes isn't enough, which brings us to the rotation. Well, really quick on him. One thing that I wonder if this was part of the mindset of some of the guys on the floor. Now, one of the guys shouldn't have had that. He should have said, hey. I, I, I need to get it inside to him because I have my own issues with this. He had four turnovers. Mm. This is one of the issues that's also started to show up more and more as the season's gone along and sort of harkens back to what we've seen from him at times as a freshman and a sophomore where he gets a little bit loose with the ball. He had he had one where he, he tried to just he tried to drive against Williams and just he he tried to spin, got out of control and lost the ball. I don't even think he turned it over there. I think he actually was able to kick it back out to the outside. But it's just moments like that where you kind of are left scratching your head like where are you going with the mm. basketball so I think maybe those are some of the moments that are concerning but when you've got a point guard that's turning the ball over seven times yeah I'd rather live with my veteran big man inside maybe making a mistake but more than likely for you know getting a shot up and living with the results of that either way I think here's the thing that's something that you can you can sort of criticize a little bit and say, hey, we'd like to see more, you know, him get the ball more inside. But look, if this is the game plan that we have to use to win games, we're winning. So you, you do what you do. Another part of the game plan to win games is to play your starters in the same amount of minutes. As we talked about earlier in the show, all five of them played 32. Uh, Love played the entire game. Baycott played 39 minutes. RJ played 36. And I understand it. That's that's Those are Carolina's five best players. They need to be on the court as much as possible. By a wide margin. That's the, that's the key here. It's not like they're the best players and there's guys that are contributing when they're on the floor and Hubert Davis is just stubborn to take minutes away from them. This is now two games in a row where Carolina has had guys come in off the bench and not hit a single field goal. Right. So they're not making the offensive plays when they're on the floor. And no offense to any of the guys, neither of the three are great defenders to the point where you got to have them out there on the floor. So here's my thing with with the, with the rotation. You're going to play them those minutes. That's fine. And I know that you get eight free timeouts. But Heber Davis, a lot like Roy Williams, doesn't call timeouts, which is fine. He'll he'll use the use it or lose it one before halftime, and they and he's he's drawn up some great sets and stuff like that. Here's my thing: you get in the second half of games, like Virginia Tech Saturday, like last night, for instance, where the game was still close and tight in the in the waning moments. I would use my timeouts. After the under-16 timeout the rest of the way. So 
at the 12, you know you got the timeout, the under 12, 14 minutes or so, I'm going to call a timeout. When we get to the under eight timeout, I'm well, going to call the I timeout mean, look, at 10 minutes. Unless you've got clearly like a huge run going, like you, you, well, we'll be smart about it. But last night in a choppy game like that, what would have been the harm of calling a timeout you know, giving your guys a little bit of rest and also settling things down and maybe drawing up a play on the offensive end to try to get you an easy basket. My, my thing is just all about letting them catch their breath mm-hmm. because you you can see, especially with Brady, because of how much he has to try defensively to make up for all of his deficiencies, he's worn out. So he's playing off of just pure adrenaline and emotion, which is not a bad thing. That's Sometimes that's the best way to play. But if you're if you're only going to use your timeouts for those you know for anything else, and I mean maybe you save the last one in case you need it in the final minute or two. I get that, but I'm going to stagger my timeouts to get my players as much of an opportunity to catch their breath, get rehydrated, and stuff like that. Because I know they're 20 years old, but they're this is a tired team. And you've got to find a way to manage their tiredness, if that's if that's even a word. Fatigue. The rest of the way, if you want to do anything significant. Yeah, you almost got to use it like sometimes you see it in hockey when a guy ices a puck after a long shift. You call timeout and bring him over. It's not even you. You don't. You don't even see the coaches really drawing anything up. It's literally, hey, we're stopping the clock and we're we're, we're taking a break here so that you guys can breathe. Um, because I mean, I you can't. There, there's no other real sport where it happens like that. Like it's football, you're not calling a timeout to give your guys a breather. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, you just. It's either that or you got to put more trust in some of these yeah. other guys that are on your bench. And, you know, I look, I, I, I think every one of them has their moments. I mean, Puff is a guy that plays hard. He, he, he's willing to get on the floor, but there's not, you know, really both ends of the floor. There are flaws in his game right now. Um, and that's just part of it. Remember that this is a guy that has pretty much been injured outside of this stretch that he's played this season yep. uh, since he got to campus. And you know Dontre Styles, freshman. So yeah, the the lights are are a little bit bright for him. He does some good things offensively, but like a freshman, turns the ball over a little bit too much sometimes. And you know he is a little bit of a liability on the defensive end. And then with Kerwin Walton, you just can't get him in a consistent rhythm, and you haven't been able to all season. And again, you know, look, he's he's improved defensively. There's no doubt about that. But there are times where he just gets worked over. Guys blow by him. You know, some of those quicker guards, like we were seeing last night for Louisville, you know, they're able to go by him pretty easily. Or, you know, you have guys that when he gets into, and when he gets switched on to somebody, you know, they can take advantage of him and draw fouls easily. We saw that a couple of times, uh, you know, in in, in the game against uh, Pittsburgh. So I think that's where you kind of got to be careful with those guys. But it's one or the other. You're right. You kind of got to pick a strategy here to try to get your guys some sort of rest. Uh, But at this point, I just – I don't know that there's really – you know that either one of those strategies is going to be put into play, and 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 to be honest with you, it's not something you can really slander Hubert Davis for right now. He was put in a tough situation with, you know, two guys that were part of the rotation, 
and neither one of those situations is his fault. You know, they, th- those are situations that were out of his control, and now he's he's stuck trying to find a way to get this team to the NCAA tournament without completely just, <laughs> I mean, just wearing these dudes out to where they're bar- they're barely going to be a team taking the court when they get there. Yeah, and and you know. Look, hopefully this is just a one-year issue, but that would be my advice, my plan. I'm still going to complain about him calling timeouts because I don't believe in calling timeouts, but this team is going to need it down the stretch. Well, here's the thing about next year, if you're worried about that. Who is this team losing? At least from a graduation standpoint, Brady Manick. Yeah. That's the only guaranteed guy because, remember, Leaky Black has the COVID year if he wants to come back. Yep. So, and I don't, I don't see Armando right now as a guy that's probably high enough to to go to the draft. Caleb Love probably isn't, although you know last year you had some people thinking he would go in the transfer portal, and that's that's the great equalizer at this point. But if you look at the class that Carolina's bringing in, it's not the most talented class ever, and that's going to be a complaint of a lot of people. But you've got some depth to it. Yep. So that's going to help you in that respect. So there is help on the way. It just it stinks that you can't get some of these guys out there right now that can help you out. That's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. We do encourage you guys to check out the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest football and basketball coverage over there. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Simply just search the Four Corners Pod rate review and most importantly hit that subscribe button that way you don't miss any additions of the pod throughout the remainder of the basketball season so that's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast i do want to thank anthony for hosting with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.